بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the Muslim army marching towards Khaybar with victory promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Jews of Khaybar had enlisted the help of the tribe of Ghatafan. So the leader of Ghatafan, along with 5,000 of his men, were ready to support the Jews of Khaybar. So 1,000 soldiers of Ghatafan were sent in advance, and 4,000 were behind the Muslim army. So as they were marching forward, these 4,000 men from Ghatafan, behind the Muslim army, they heard a shout. They heard someone shout, Adriku nisa'akum, adriku awladakum, sharrun fi ahlikum. That go and save your women, go and save your children. Something bad is happening to your people. So they thought that someone was taking advantage of the fact that the army of Ghatafan had left. So they saw that Ghatafan was unprotected. So some enemy tribe may have come and invaded them. So the soldiers of Ghatafan got afraid that their families and their women and their children were in danger and they were not there to protect them. So they quickly left and they went back to their land. So these 4,000 people in the back, they heard this shout. So they sent a message to those 1,000 who had already been sent in advance that this is what happened. This is the situation. So we have headed back towards our land. We have headed back towards Najd. So when the message reached the 1,000 who had already been sent in advance, they also decided to leave and they went back to their people as well. So now all this whole support system of 5,000 soldiers from Ghatafan, they abandoned the Jews of Khaybar and they went back to their land. And when they went back to their land, they saw that their women and their children and their families were fine. That Nobody had attacked them. There was no danger. There was no problem. Everyone was safe and sound. So Allahu Alam, where did this voice come from? Maybe it was an angel. Allah knows best. So now the support from Ghatafan is gone. So the Jews of Khaybar themselves, they have no support against the Muslims and they have to depend only upon themselves. Now, as the Muslim army continued to march forward, as they were going towards Khaybar, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to encourage the Muslims and he wanted to make sure that their spirits were kept high. So he asked Amir ibn al-Akwa Amir ibn al-Akwa he was one of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ and he was known for having a very beautiful voice and a beautiful ability to recite poetry. So as the Muslims are making their journey going towards Khaybar, the Prophet ﷺ asked Amir ibn al-Akwa to recite some poetry. He said, Inzil yabn al-Akwa fakhudh lana min hunayyatik. So basically what he told Amir, he said, Ya Amir, let us listen to some of your poetry. So Amir radiallahu he started reciting poetry. He started reciting poetry so beautifully as 
the army marched forward. Now the camels, listening to the poetry of Amir, listening to his beautiful voice and his beautiful rhythm, the camels started to sway back and forth along with the rhythm of the poetry, right? So even the camels, they were enjoying it. Now there were some women who were also traveling with this army. There were about 20 women who were traveling with this army. Uh, they were there for the purposes of treating the sick. If anybody got ill or if anybody got injured, they could nurse them. So there were about 20 women. And amongst these women uh, were Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib. She was the aunt of the Prophet so there were other women as well, and they were traveling in the, these special tents that were made for women to travel privately on the camels. So these tents, they were called Hawadij, the plural of the word Hawdaj. So basically what a Hawdaj is, it's like a, a tent, a portable tent that can be placed on a camel, and the woman can sit on the camel inside that tent and she can move forward in privacy. So there were these women and they were in their hawadij on these camels and now the camels are swaying back and forth listening to the poetry of Amir. So the women, they're about to fall down because the camels are swaying so much. So the tents are going this way and this way and the women, they're getting afraid that they're going to actually fall down. And this is all due to the beautiful recitation of poetry of Amir ibn al-Akwa So these women, they complained to the Prophet wasallam. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we're almost going to fall down because of how the camels are swaying with this poetry. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, Rifqan bil qawarir. Like, be gentle with these crystals. He referred to the women as crystals. Qawarir. Be gentle with them. And then he said to Amr Yarhamukallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon you. And when Umar ibn Khattab heard the Prophet say, to Amr ibn al-Akwa' Yarhamukallah Umar radiallahu anhu said wajabat He said now it has become obligatory That Amr he will pass away And he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ya Rasulullah anyone who you say Yarhamukallah to Anyone who you say may Allah have mercy upon you That person they die They become a shaheed So Umar radiallahu anhu said if you had just not said that, maybe we could have enjoyed more time with him. But now for sure, this is a sign that he is going to pass away. So this is what actually happened later on in Khaybar, Amir ibn radiallahu anhu, he actually did pass away. So this is from the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, so as they move forward towards Khaybar, we need to understand a little bit about the setup of the city. Khaybar was a city of fortresses. It had these castles, these fortified castles, which were very strongly protected. So it was a very fortified city with all of these fortresses. So... The city of Khaybar, it basically was divided into two sections. It was divided into two sections. The first section was divided into two sub-areas. So there are two main sections, and the first section is also divided into two subdivisions. And the two subdivisions of the first section of Khaybar were known as An-Natah and Ash-Shiq. 
So these are the two subdivisions of the first section of Khaybar. Now the section of An-Natah, it had three fortresses. It had three fortresses. And the names of these three fortresses were, the first fortress was An-Na'im. The second fortress was the fortress of Al-Sa'b ibn Mu'adh. And the third fortress was the fortress of Az-Zubair. The second part of the first section was known as Ash-Shiq. And it had two fortresses. The fortress of Ubay and the fortress of An-Nizar. So the first section of Khaybar, which was divided into two subdivisions. The first subdivision had three fortresses and the second subdivision had two fortresses. So this section, this whole first section of Khaybar, it had a total of five fortresses. Now the second, the second section of Khaybar was known as Al-Katiba. And Al-Katiba, it also had three fortresses. The names of these three fortresses in Al-Katiba, which was the second section of Khaybar, were Al-Qamus, the fortress of Al-Qamus. And this is an important fortress because it is actually the fortress of the family of Abu Al-Huqayq. Abu Al-Huqayq, they, the, they were the family of the leaders of the tribe of Banu Nadir. So that was their fortress, the fortress of Al-Qamus. So that was the first fortress in the section of Al-Katiba. The second fortress was Al-Watih, and the third fortress was As-Sulalim. So three fortresses in the second section of Khaybar and five fortresses in the first section of Khaybar for a total of eight main fortresses in this city. So there are a total of eight main fortresses in the city of Khaybar. There were also other fortresses, but they were minor fortresses. They were insignificant in comparison to these eight major fortresses. So on the outskirts of the city, these, these fortresses, they are inside the city. They're inside Khaybar. Now outside, on the outskirts of the city, are the famous farms of Khaybar. Khaybar was a famous farmland. It had these beautiful date trees in these farms. And these farms were the basis of the economy of Khaybar. So the Jews who lived in Khaybar, they depended upon these farms for their financial stability. So the economy of Khaybar was based on these farms that were on the outskirts of the city. And they were huge farms, huge, beautiful farms. So now the Sahaba, they're moving forward, they're marching forward, and they're coming close to Khaybar. And the first thing they see are these farms, the farms of Khaybar. So now they know that they are nearby. So when they see the farms of Khaybar, they know that they are approaching the city, they're close by. They start glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do tahleel and takbir. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. The Sahaba, they are saying this, they are doing this zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very loudly, very, very loudly. They were doing it so loudly that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them, Arbi'u ala anfusikum, fa'innakum la tad'una asam wa ghaiba. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, you don't have to do it so loudly. Because you are not calling upon someone who is deaf or someone who is absent. You are calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He hears everything. You don't have to be so loud. So they continued to do dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they did it in more of a subdued voice, not as loudly. Alright, so regarding the system that the Jews had in the city of Khaybar. 
As we mentioned, the fortresses are inside the city, but the farmland is on the outskirts of the city. So what they would do every morning before dawn, before the time of Fajr, soldiers would come out of the fortresses and they would go to the outskirts of the city. They would go to the farmland to make sure that everything is safe, to make sure there are no enemies, there are no invaders, that the farms are safe. And once they would ascertain that the farms are safe, they would inform the farmers that yes, the coast is clear. You can come out to your farms and you can start your day and do your work. So this was the daily routine before dawn, before the time of Fajr. The soldiers would come out, make sure that the farms are safe, that there are no enemies. Then they would go and they would tell the farmers, yes, you can go out to your farms and you can start your day. This was the daily routine. But on the day that the Muslims arrived, the soldiers who would usually take care of this responsibility, they fell asleep. They didn't wake up in time. They overslept, all of them. And this was one of the miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Muslims. The soldiers, they overslept that night and they didn't wake up in time to check the coast being clear. So the farmers, they got up before the soldiers got up and they went to their farms as normal. They went to their farms as normal. And when they reached their farms, who did they see? They saw the Muslim army. And when they saw the Muslim army, they panicked and they got scared and they shouted out, Muhammadun wal khamis, Muhammadun wal khamis. Muhammad and his army. The army was known as Al-Khamis. Al-Khamis, it means something that consists of five parts. So the reason why the army is known as Al-Khamis was because it has Al-Muqaddam, Wal-Muakhar, Wal-Maymana, Wal-Maysara, Wal-Qalb. It has five sections. The front of the army, the back of the army, the right flank, the left flank, and the center. So five sections of the army. So that is why it is known as Al-Khamis. So the farmers of Khaybar, they saw the Prophet ﷺ and his army coming towards them and they said, Muhammadun wal-Khamis, Muhammadun wal-Khamis. And the Prophet ﷺ saw the panic that these people had. He saw the fear that they had. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said back to them, Kharibat Khaybar, Kharibat Khaybar, Inna idha nazalna bisahati qawmin the Prophet said, Khaybar is going to be ruined. You people are going to be ruined. So the Prophet gave them this warning that this is what is coming to you. This is what you are going to get. So now the companions, they're very excited. Remember, they have already been promised victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this one. They know that the outcome of this battle is victory. This has already been promised. So they're very excited and they want to just go and attack. They want to go and attack. The Prophet ﷺ tells them, be patient. Be patient. He says to them, لا تتمنوا لقاء العدو. Do not wish for a confrontation with the enemy. Do not wish to meet the enemy and confront the enemy in battle without trying other ways to settle it first. But if fighting becomes inevitable, then fight with courage and fight with valor. And be patient on the battlefield and don't run away. But don't wish for a confrontation with the enemy. You should wish that there is another way to settle it first and fighting should only be the last option. So of course, in this type of situation, we would rather that the people accept Islam or surrender on our terms peacefully and fighting should only be a last resort. So the Prophet ﷺ, he gathered the Sahaba and the Prophet ﷺ made dua 
to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Sahaba, they listened to this dua and they said, Ameen. So the Prophet sallallahu he organized the army and he gave different people different responsibilities. He put Umar ibn al-Khattab in charge of the security, in charge of the watching duty. And he put Uthman in charge of distributing the food to the army, taking care of the army by providing them with food and drink. And he sent a message. The Prophet ﷺ sent a message to the Jews. He sent a messenger with a message to the Jews, giving them three choices. You have three options now. Accept Islam, become Muslims, and you keep everything. You keep your wealth, you keep your homes, you keep your gardens, you keep everything. Become Muslim and everything is fine. If you don't accept that option, your second option is if you don't accept Islam and you decide to stay upon your religion, you can still peacefully surrender and you can keep your wealth, but you will be under Muslim rule and you will have to pay a tax every year. And if you reject that as well, then the third option is war. Then we will have to fight. So the Jews, they sent back the messenger saying, okay, we need a little time to think about these options and we will give you our answer in a little bit. So they went back into their fortress and the Prophet and the companions waited for a response to these three options from the Jews. So some time later, the gate to the fortress opened again and the Muslims thought that a messenger from the Jews would come out to give their answer. Which one of these three options did they decide? to take. So they were waiting for a messenger to come out to give them the answer. But instead of a messenger coming out, the Jewish soldiers suddenly come, came out and they started attacking the Muslims and fighting immediately. But Alhamdulillah, the Muslims were prepared. They were ready for this and they were able to defend themselves well. So the Jews, they had to retreat and they had to close themselves in their fortress again. So now the Jews are inside the fortress and the Muslims, they don't have any way of getting into those fortresses. They're very, very secure. So the Muslims don't have any way of getting inside the fortress. So the Prophet ﷺ, what he decided to do, he ordered for the date trees that they had in their farms. He ordered for the Sahaba to start chopping those date trees down. And remember we said, this is the source of their finances. This is the source of their economy these farms. So the Prophet ﷺ does an economic strike on them. He starts, he tells his companions to chop down the date trees. So they chopped down 400 date trees as an economic strike against these Jews. So now when the Jews are seeing this, they're able, they're able to see what's going on, you know, from their fortresses. And they're very distressed at this, that their whole economy is going to be destroyed. And they, they said to each other, now even if we were able to win, even if we were able to win, what use will it be? Because our whole economy is going to be destroyed. So some of the Jews said, let's just agree to the second option that he gave us. Let's agree to the option that we will surrender on his terms and we will be under Muslim rule and we will pay the tax to them. So some of the Jews were ready to actually do this. But the leaders of the Jews, they said, no, no, no. We will not surrender. The only option we have is that we have to fight. All right. So now, as we mentioned before, Khaybar, it's divided into two main sections. The first section has five fortresses. The second section, it has three fortresses for a total of eight fortresses. So the strongest fortress was the first fortress that the Muslims surrounded. And this was a fortress in the, in the area called An-Nata'ah. 
And the name of this fortress was the fortress of An-Na'im. The fortress of An-Na'im. So that was the strongest fortress and that was the first fortress that the Muslims actually came around. The commander of this fortress, the fortress of An-Na'im, he was a man named Al-Harith ibn Abi Zainab. And his brother was a man named Marhab ibn Abi Zainab. Marhab ibn Abi Zainab was known as the greatest warrior of the Jews. Without any question, Marhab ibn Abi Zainab, he was the greatest warrior of the Jews. So as the Jews watched their trees being cut down, they couldn't take it anymore. Seeing their economy being destroyed right in front of their eyes, they couldn't take it anymore. So the fortress opened and Marhab came out. Marhab came out. So when the Muslims saw that Marhab had come out, he came out alone, they expected that he came out for a Mubaraza. This was the way of fighting in the Arabian Peninsula. Before the main fighting would fight, there would be some one-on-one -on -one duels. So like a good fighter from each side would come out and they would fight one-on-one -on -one duel. So they would do this two or three or four times. And then after that, the main fighting would start. So when Marhab came out by himself, the Muslims thought that he's coming out. He's the best warrior of the Jews. He's coming out for a duel. He's coming out to challenge one of the Muslims to fight him one-on-one. -on -one. So as the Sahaba are discussing, okay, who, who should go to fight him? Suddenly a number of Jewish soldiers come out of the fortress and they try to attack the Muslims again. So the Muslims are kind of caught off guard here. They thought that Marhab was coming out for a one-on-one, -on -one, but instead a bunch of soldiers came out and they attacked the Muslims. So the Jews with this surprise attack, they are able to actually advance a little bit into the Muslim ranks. And they reached all the way to the Prophet Muhammad himself. But the Prophet he remained firm and he and the companions with him, they fought. They fought very strongly and they were able to defend themselves against those Jews. So those Jews again, they had to retreat. And they went back into their fortress again and they closed it. So now, after this, the Prophet he gave his companions a period of time to rest. He said, okay, Let's rest and we can reorganize. Rest and reorganize. So during this time of rest, one of the companions, Mahmud ibn Maslama. Mahmud ibn Maslama was the brother of Muhammad ibn Maslama. And we have spoken about Muhammad ibn Maslama before. Muhammad ibn Maslama was one of the great warriors of the Sahaba. He was one of the greatest fighters of the Sahaba. So his brother was Mahmud ibn Maslama. So Mahmud ibn Maslama, he went to one of the abandoned fortresses some distance away to rest under one of the walls. Like we mentioned, there were eight main fortresses, but then there were a number of other smaller fortresses that were insignificant and some of them were even abandoned. So Mahmud ibn Maslama, he found one of these abandoned fortresses and he went there to rest under one of the walls. So some of the Jews were able to spot him from a distance away. They saw, okay, there's this guy. He's resting by that abandoned fortress. So these Jews, they discussed amongst themselves, one of us should go and should kill him. So they discussed amongst themselves who should do this. So Marhab, as we mentioned, Marhab was the greatest warrior of the Jews. He volunteered to do it. He said, I'll go and kill him. So he snuck out of his fortress, the fortress of An-Na'im, and he reached the fortress, the abandoned fortress, where Mahmud ibn Maslama was resting. So Marhab, he climbed to the roof of this fortress and he had a big stone and he threw it on Mahmud's head. 
So when he hit Mahmoud's head, Mahmoud was injured very badly and he started bleeding profusely, but he was still alive and he was able to get up and he was able to go back to the Prophet When he managed to get back to the Prophet the Prophet told his companions, try to treat him, try to save him. So the companions, they tried. They tried whatever they could to help him, but they were not able to save him. And Mahmud ibn Maslama, he died. So Mahmud ibn Maslama became the first shaheed of Khaybar. So now the situation is the Muslims are on the outside of the fortress of Al-Na'im. And the Jews are in the inside of the fortress. And they have a positional advantage. They can go in their fortress. They can go to the top level of the fortress. And they have an advantage by being at that higher level. So they start shooting arrows at the Muslims. The Muslims are down on the outside. And the Jews are inside in the fortress. And they're shooting arrows at the Muslims from their position. So the Muslims had to basically spend the whole day defending themselves against these arrows that are being shot at them. So as you can see, this is not an easy battle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised victory, yes, but that doesn't mean that this battle would be easy. So it was a very difficult battle and there was very strong resistance from these Jews. So now the whole day they spent defending themselves against these arrows that are being shot at them from the Jews in the fortress. But when the night came, when it became dark, then the shooting of the arrows, it stopped. So then the Prophet ﷺ ordered the Muslim army to relocate to another position so that they would not be in the line of fire of these arrows. So the Jews would not be able to shoot them with these arrows anymore. So they moved their position. So the next day in the morning, a shepherd came out of the fortress. A shepherd came out of the fortress with some animals. He came out with some sheep and some camels. And he took the animals outside of the fortress to let them graze. So he led the animals out of the fortress and he came near the Muslim encampment. This shepherd with these animals. He came near the Muslim encampment. So the Muslims captured him. They captured him and they captured his animals. And he was brought to the Prophet so when the Prophet ﷺ and this man met, this man said to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, amantu bidinik. O Messenger of Allah, I believe in your religion. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu annaka Rasulullah. He said, and I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah, and I bear witness that you are the Messenger of Allah. So this man, he came out of the fortress of the Jews, and he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I'm a Muslim. I want to become a Muslim and I accept Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, of course, he's very happy with this. This man, he came out of the fortress in the middle of a battle and he came and he became a Muslim. So this is very good news. But the man asked, what should I do with these animals, Ya Rasulullah? These camels and these sheep that I have with me, they are not mine. They are an amana. They are not owned by me. I just took them out. I'm just a shepherd. I took them out to graze for the owner but I, they don't belong to me. So what should I do? So the Prophet ﷺ said, you have to return the amana. Amana has to be returned. So then this man, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, but how can I take it back? Now that I'm a Muslim, if I go there, they will kill me. So the Prophet ﷺ said, don't worry about that. Just lead the animals out of the camp and throw some small stones at them <coughs> and they will go back to the fortress themselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your amana for you. So he did as the Prophet ﷺ instructed him to do. And the animals, they went back to the fortress on their own. Alhamdulillah. So he was able 
to fulfill his amanah. And now this man, he stays with the Muslims. He is a Muslim now, alhamdulillah. So he became a Muslim in the morning, right? After the time of Fajr, in the morning when he took out these animals, that's when he became a Muslim. And later on in the day, some fighting occurred. And he was involved in that fighting. And he was on the Muslim side. And he died before Zuhr. So he became a Muslim after Fajr. And he died before Zuhr. So when he died, the Prophet ﷺ said, Man arada an yanzura ila rajulin min ahlil jannah lam yusalli lillahi rak'atan fal yanzur ila hadha. Whoever wants to see a man from the people of Jannah who never even prayed one raka'ah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let him look at this man. Subhanallah. Just a Muslim for a few hours. He didn't even catch one salah time. He became a Muslim after the time of Fajr was over and he died before the time of Salat al-Dhuhr came. Subhanallah. A person from the people of Jannah who didn't even pray one raka'ah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was the blessing of Allah subhanahu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon this man. So now this intermittent type of fighting where the Jews would come out and fight a little bit and then retreat back into their fortress and then later on they would come out again and retreat back into their fortresses. This type of intermittent fighting, it went on for days, for many days. More than 10 days passed like this. And finally, one day, Marhab, the greatest warrior of the Jews, Marhab, he came out himself and he issued a challenge this time he really issued a challenge of mubaraza he said i challenge one of the muslims to a duel one-on-one -on -one, to fight me and he said very arrogantly and very proudly he said surely khaybar knows that i am marhab a fully armed and experienced and courageous warrior. So when he came out and issued this challenge for a duel, the Prophet ﷺ asked his companions, Man lihada, who is going to go and fight this man? So Muhammad ibn Maslama radiallahu an, he said, I will fight him, Ya Rasulullah. He is the one who killed my brother Mahmud earlier. Let me fight him, Ya Rasulullah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, you go, you fight him. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua that Muhammad ibn Maslama would be successful. So the fighting between these two was very intense. Muhammad ibn Maslama, عن, he was a great warrior, one of the greatest warriors of the Sahaba. And Marhab, he was the greatest warrior of the Jews. So this was a very intense battle. And it lasted for an hour, fighting. And eventually, Muhammad ibn Maslama got a good hit on Marhab's leg. He hit his leg very badly. And he started, Marhab started bleeding profusely from his leg and he fell down. And he knew that he would not be able to fight anymore. So then Marhab, he begged Muhammad ibn Maslama, Uqtulni, just kill me, just kill me. And Muhammad ibn Maslama didn't do it. Rather, what he did was he chopped off his other leg as well. And he said, Taste the pain of death like you killed my brother. I'm not going to kill you that easily. I want you to taste the pain of death. So after he chopped one leg, he chopped the other leg as well. And Marhab was begging him. Don't leave me like this. Just kill me. Just kill me. 
So he's bleeding profusely from both legs chopped off. And Muhammad ibn Maslama leaves him to die slowly and painfully by bleeding out. And then Muhammad ibn Maslama leaves him to die like that. A little bit later, Ali ibn Abi Talib, he comes across Marhab lying like this. He's not dead yet, he's still alive. So Ali ibn Abi Talib kills him. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an, he killed Marhab. And after he killed Marhab, he took his armor and he took his weaponry and everything. And he came back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Ali radiallahu an said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulallah, qataltu marhaba. Ya Rasulallah, I killed Marhab. And Muhammad ibn Maslama was surprised. And he said, what? I just killed Marhab. I just killed Marhab. I just left him to die so that he could taste the pain of death. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. He said to Muhammad ibn Maslama, yes, you, you killed him. And then he told Ali radiallahu an to give that armor and give that weaponry to give it to Muhammad ibn Maslama. So Ali radiallahu an, he obeyed the Prophet ﷺ and he gave the weaponry and the armor to Muhammad ibn Maslama radiallahu an. So that was the first duel between Marhab and Muhammad ibn Maslama. And Muhammad ibn Maslama defeated Marhab. So the score in the duels now is one for the Muslims and zero for the Jews. So now they set, they sent out the second challenger for the duel. And that was the brother of Marhab, Al-Harith. Al-Harith was the brother of Marhab. So he came out and he challenged the Muslims to another duel. And Abu Dujana radiallahu an was the one who accepted that challenge and went out to fight with Al-Harith. And you remember Abu Dujana, right? Abu Dujana, the hero from the battle of Uhud, the one to whom the Prophet ﷺ gave his own sword to him. And he took that sword and Abu Dujana, remember the man with the red bandana, he put it on his head. And on the day of Uhud, he walked with a very proud walk with that red bandana on his head. And the Prophet ﷺ said, this is the type of walk that Allah hates, except in this type of a situation. In this type of a situation in war, it's okay to walk like that and show yourself to strike fear into the hearts of the enemy. So this was Abu Dujana. So Abu Dujana, now at Khaybar, he is the one who accepted the challenge of the second duel between himself and uh, the brother of Marhab, Al-Harith. So Abu Dujana went out to fight him and Abu Dujana overpowered him and he killed Al-Harith as well. So now the score is two for the Muslims and still zero for the Jews. The third brother of Marhab came out, Yasir. Now Yasir is a very, very tall man. He is a giant. So when he came out, the Prophet ﷺ was amazed how tall this man is. He said, Ma atwala, how tall is this man? And then the Prophet ﷺ asked his companions, Atarahu khamsata adhru'a? Do you think that his height might be five dhira'? One dhira'a is half a meter. So five dhira'a is about two and a half meters. That's more than eight feet. More than eight feet tall. So the Prophet said, said this to his companions. Do you think he is about five adhru'a? Five dhira'a? And the companion said, Ya Rasulullah, bal atwal. No, he's more than that even. So he was more than eight feet tall, this guy. So the one who volunteered to go and fight him was Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam radiallahu anhu, another great warrior of the Sahaba. 
and he was a cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The mother of Az-Zubair was Safiyyah bint Abdul Muttalib, the aunt of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Az-Zubair, he volunteered to fight against Yasir, this giant man. And now his mother, Safiyyah bint Abdul Muttalib, she was also there and she got scared. My son is going to fight this giant? So she said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, I fear that this giant, he's going to kill my son. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to his aunt, he said, rather your son will kill him, insha'Allah. So they fought and this fight was very intense as well. They fought for about an hour and eventually Az-Zubair radiallahu anhu overpowered Yasir and he killed him. So Az-Zubair killed this giant. And after this, the Prophet ﷺ was very happy and he said, لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ حَوَارِي لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ حَوَارِي وَحَوَارِيِّ Every Prophet has a close disciple. And my close disciple is Az-Zubair. So this was an honor for Az-Zubair So now the score is what? Three for the Muslims, still zero for the Jews. The fourth brother came out, Amir, and Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And we don't need to even uh, say much about how great and courageous and brave Ali ibn Abi Talib was. Everybody knows this. So Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu comes out and he faces Amir and he was killed by Ali. Amir was killed by Ali radiallahu anhu. So now the score is four for the Muslims and zero for the Jews. Then a fifth man came out. A fifth man. He's not from the brothers of Marhab anymore. But a fifth man from the Jews came out to fight. And Muhammad ibn Maslama goes for round two. He goes for another duel. He already killed Marhab in the first round. And now he goes and takes a second round again. And he easily kills the fifth person. So now the score is five for the Muslims and zero for the Jews. Now the Jews realize that no, we can't, we can't keep sending out our best men. They're all getting killed. The Muslims surely are better in these one-on-one -one confrontations. So let's not send any more of our men anymore. So they decided to stop the duels. They decided to stop these Mubarazat and they kept themselves inside and they closed the fortress again. And they went back to the way that they had been fighting for the last how many days? By this intermittent fighting, just coming out when they want to fight, fight a little bit and then come back and hold themselves up in their fortresses. So this type of intermittent fighting, it went on and on and on for a total of 14 days. 14 days with really no result. Because the Muslims didn't really have much of a chance because the Jews, whenever the fighting would get intense, they would just retreat and they would close themselves back in the fortress. And the Muslims could not get inside the fortress. So this went on for a period of 14 days. Finally, on the 15th night, on the 15th night, things changed. And inshallah, that's what we will talk about next week, bi'ithnillah. <laughs>